here trying to help you. I'm here to give you what it took me 30, 30 years in ministry to get. Understanding the will of the Lord. All right? Now, that came out of the teaching we have done before that. So if you notice, teaching comes out of teaching. It, back there, we just did renew your mind. That word is still good. And after that, we talked about giving thanks to the Father. Amen. Giving thanks to the Father. So all of that is coming out of the Word of God. Giving thanks to the Father. We talk about renew your mind. And renew your mind, and after that, we talk about giving thanks to the Father. All right? Now, out of giving thanks to the Father, because he has renewed our mind, renewed our mind is how we were saved. All right? But after that, now we go on into another teaching, understanding what the will of the Lord is. All right, so let's go to 1 Thessalonians, because we want to definitely look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We want to look at two things in Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and, and we're going to tell you what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about God's will for us to be holy. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, God's will for us is to be holy. Not only to be holy, but to live holy. That's last week's teaching, which is part one and part two. Today is part three, all right? And we're going to show you what that is today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number four, verse number one says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Last week, that's what we talked about. We talked about the word sanctification. Now, we, we told you sanctification happened because of the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. It's not what you do. It's what the Spirit of God does in your life. All right? Now what we want to do is go back and look at Ephesians one more time. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 17. Let's go back there because that is where we have our teaching coming from. Ephesians 5, 17 through verse number 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through verse number 20. It said, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So that's why we are talking about understanding the will of the Lord. That is our series. Then we told you last week, which we just read, in 1 Thessalonians again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 3, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, all right? And then it said that you should abstain from fornication. Now, that's why we talked about that next verse said that every one of you should know how to possess. That word possess means to control, know how to control his own vessel. Everybody got to know how to control his own vessel. Amen. Everybody got to know how to control his own vessel. All right? In sanctification again and in honor. So everybody got to know how to control his own vessel. In sanctification and in honor. All right? Now, this is the will of God, but that's not the only one. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, we're going to go to the next part. And that's where we're at today. The final instruction that the Apostle Paul gave in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he's going to give a whole list. We're not going to be able to minister the whole list. 
but we're going to cover some of those. And we're going we're gonna to do today 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. That's what we're going to do today. Because remember, he's given us what the will of the Lord is for our lives. Last week we told you God's will was to be holy. Not only be holy, but live a holy life. In sanctification and honor. Knowing how to control your own body. That's what God number one is, okay? But now we're going to get into some other things. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 12 says, out of the King James, we will be reading out of the NLT today. Out of the King James, in verse 12 says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brothers, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient to all men. See that none render evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and unto all men. And then in verse number 16, we'll get our supper for the day. Rejoice evermore. Now, we're going to put a little twist to that rejoice evermore, and we're going we're to say, we're going to use it as Paul talked about in, in Philippians. Let's go to Philippians 4 4. Because that's, that's, uh, that's what we're going to say it like. Philippians 4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. See, that's how, they, that's how Philippians says it. So that's why we're going to use that out of Philippians. Philippians chapter number 4. He talks about. Rejoice. So I'm going to say rejoice always in the Lord. That's going to be our subject. Rejoice always in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So we're going to talk about rejoice always in the Lord. Now you can put an S on that ways because rejoice always. Let's say it one more time. Rejoice always in the Lord. For those who listen to us out there. Here we go. Rejoice always in the Lord. All right. Now, he told you what to do and in the Lord. All right. Now, you have to be able to understand who said this. Amen. Just a second. Who said this? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, rejoice always in the Lord. All right. Now, let's, let's get a definition here. We are understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we are showing you that not only to live, not only to live a good life, he wants you to live holy, he wants you to be holy. Now, once that has happened, now you have the kingdom of God. That's why be holy was first. Because you got to have the kingdom of God in here first. You, you can't rejoice without the kingdom of God in here. You can't walk in God's peace if the kingdom of God is not in you. See, all of these things happen because we're going to show you it's the weapons of our warfare. And then we're going to show you also 
in you is right. Let me just go to that Romans 14, 17. Let me show you what the kingdom of God is. So if you don't have the kingdom of God on the inside, you can't do this no way. Romans 14, 17. Want to mark that in your Bible. Want to mark that in your Bible. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. Now, this is what you got to have in you. That's why I dealt, the first thing I dealt with is be holy. Now, to be holy is to be made whole, and then you need to live a holy life in righteousness. All right? That's why I, I taught you three series, 18 verses. Renew your mind. Now, to renew your mind means you are saved now. You are saved. You in Christ. Christ in you. You have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have this, you can't rejoice. Watch what it says, Romans 14, 17. It says, in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. Now, don't forget now, because this is very important, because when I get to the weapons of your warfare, I'm giving them to you ahead of time. You got to know what the weapons of your warfare is. Righteousness, his righteousness, his peace. His joy, watch where they are, in the Holy Ghost. So if you don't have right, God's righteousness, God's peace, and God's joy in the Holy Ghost, then you can't rejoice anyway. See, this is not, this is what the believer, the Christian, I'm not talking about folk who just call themselves Christian. No, 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 no. I'm talking about having the Spirit, having the Holy Spirit in you. All right, that's what I mean. When I say people are Christians, they are believers. They are righteous. They have the Holy Spirit in them. They have the kingdom of God in them. They got righteousness. See, you can't, you can't be a Christian and a liar. I'm talking about a habitually liar. You, you, can't, you can say you're a Christian, but if you're a habitual liar, then you're denying the faith. See, you can't, you, you can't, you can't, if you're a Christian, you can be holy because you are holy. That means you can live holy. So the Holy Ghost comes inside of you so you can live holy. Not just live holy, act holy, talk holy, all these things. See, we, have li we live in a world where people will tell you they are Christians. And you see no evidence, no fruit at all. I mean, come on. If you're a Christian, you know what a Christian is supposed to be like. All right? So that means you have to stand up for the truth if the truth is in you. If the truth is in you, he's called the spirit of truth. He's called the word of truth. And you have to be witness to the truth. All right? Now, once again, Romans 14, 17 said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. Now, we're talking about God's righteousness, God's peace, and God's joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, why is that so important? Because I'm going to show you that the spirit of joy that we're talking about today, rejoice. you can't rejoice if the spirit of joy is not in you. See, if the Holy Ghost is not in you, you cannot rejoice. The word rejoice, when you deal with the word rejoice, you're dealing with the word re, R-E. All right? Now, to understand re, if you rewrite something, remake something, 
all right? You are doing it over. That means it's already been done before. So if you reheat something, it's made, it means it's already been heated. You are reheating it. You understand? So when you get down to rejoice, you already have to have joy to rejoice. You understand that? You can't rejoice if you don't already have joy. That word re means you got to do it over and over. Do it again. Now, I'm going to use the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul is the one that says to us by the Holy Ghost, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, if he said rejoice in the Lord always, and then, and then he says, and again I say to you, rejoice. Now, let's go back and look at a man who told us to rejoice. See, everybody, everybody can't just say this. Well, let me put it like this. Yeah, they can say it. But let's look at this. Now, because we're going to show you that they are going to be suffering. So you want to put these words down. They're going to be the word suffering. And then they're going to be the word rejoicing. So why would God mix those two words up? Let, let, let's, let me show you something in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be dealing with 2 Corinthians and we're going to just walk through in 2 Corinthians because this is just full of good stuff. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go start with chapter 1. We're just going to walk right through 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is full of this. Suffering and rejoice. Somebody say it with me. Suffering and rejoice. We're seeing two different things that's going to happen. Here's a man suffering, but yet he's going to say rejoice. Now, if you don't have the spirit of joy, once again, that's why you got to understand Romans 14, 17 that I gave you. You got to have the spirit of joy. You got to have the kingdom of God in here to be able to do this, to be able to suffer and then at the same time rejoice. It doesn't mean you're not going through something, but how you handle it, how are you going to handle it? Are you going to handle it with crying? Are you going to handle it with murmuring and complaining? Are you going to handle it with rejoicing? What happened to the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness? When they got to oppositions in their lives, when they got to a time where God didn't do it, when they wanted him to do it, what did they do? They murmured and they complained. What's supposed to happen to us in the new covenant when we are waiting for the Lord to move on something? Just like we are now in a pandemic, nearly 190,000 people have died of the coronavirus, and that's just the ones we know that's been documented. What are we going to do? Are we going to complain, murmur? Are we going to rejoice? Now, I'm going to get to a teaching that I told you that I'm going to do in this teaching. I'm going to get to it evidently, and it's going to be called hope. We're going to deal with the word hope, H-O-P-E. Because you can't rejoice if you have not understood Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Let's, let's, let's go there. We come right back to Corinth. Let me show you in Colossians 1, 27. See, when I talk about, when I deal with the word hope, see, you can't do what I'm talking about if you don't have Colossians 127. 
In Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 27, it says, To whom God would make known what is the richest of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, here it is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, when I teach that, you're going to see where people are in error saying that the Lord is going to come. When you hear that teaching, you're going to hear that that's error. That was taught to the Jewish believer, not to the body of Christ. All right? But we'll get that then. Because it'll be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, let's move on. So now, let me tell you, if Christ is in you, then you can hope. But he is the hope. All right? Now, let me talk about the word joy. Let's talk about the word rejoice. So let's go to, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now I want to start reading out of verse 1. Two words we want to look at. You want to put down the word suffering and rejoice. Because you won't understand rejoicing if there have not been any suffering. Now, he's not talking about sick with the virus. But he's talking about in whatever we find ourselves in. And I'm going to show you that when I go to the Apostle Paul. Whatever situation you find yourself in, we're going to talk about the word content, how to be content. This, this man was a role model for the body of Christ. He was a role model model for the body of Christ. And that's what a person does when they are, say that they are born again, saved, mature in Christ. You should be a leader now, a model, showing somebody else how to do it. Not a person always complaining, not a person always mumming. All, no, no, no. Let me show you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3. And verse 3 said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Remember, we gave you that, the Father of mercies, but there's four different ones that said the Father. The Father of mercies here. You know, we got the Father of spirits. We got the Father of lights. Here we got the Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. This is awesome stuff. Remember, he allowed them to suffer. Now it's time for comfort. Now that time is going to come to us. Going through some right now. But your comforting days are coming. Tell somebody that. Your comforting days are coming. See, you're going through some stuff right now. You're going through some stuff right now. Jesus says to, to his disciples before he left, Oh, you're going through some stuff right now, but the day will come when you will rejoice. They were going through something, persecution. But Jesus said, you will see me again. And this joy that I give you, nobody can take that away. Watch this. Blessed be the God. We're in, we in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. 
who comforted us in all our tribulation. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He's telling you. He went through the tribulation. But he said, God comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able. Why do God comfort us in our tribulation? That we may be able by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God comfort you with his comfort because you're going to have to pass it on to somebody else. Somebody in your life going to need to be comforted. That's why you got to learn your experience when you go through something. Who comforted us, verse 4 says, in all our tribulation, that we may be able, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How are you going to do it? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Isn't that awesome? God comfort me so I'm able to comfort somebody else when they're going through trouble. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God said you're going through something right now, but you're going to learn how to receive the comfort and the mercies of God. So when somebody else is going through something, you're going to be able to tell them, let me talk to you. Let me tell you about the God we serve, the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, he will comfort you in all your tribulation, all your trials, all your persecution. And then your job is to somebody will come in your life that you're going to have to pass it on. Somebody said pass it on. You got to pass it on to somebody else. See, we know, oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. No, well, listen. See, that's the whole thing is. Here it is. You went through something like myself. Myself. I'm going to use myself for example. My mother, my mother went to be with the Lord this year. And the Lord comforted me. Now, why did he comfort me? See, if I don't learn how to receive God's mercies and let God comfort me, then I'm going to never be able to comfort nobody else. See, that's why a pastor, so that's why this is, it's the making of a pastor. It's the making of a man. It's the making of a child of God. See, we going through things ourselves, but we got to learn. God did something in my life. And if you don't let God do that in your life, you can never help nobody else when they go through something because you're hurting yourself. Oh, I hope somebody hear what I'm saying. Until you get over the hurt in your own life, you can't help nobody else. And every time a situation comes up, so you need to minister to somebody else, you can't do it because you're still hurting. You're going to have to let God heal you. Hallelujah. You got to let him heal you. You got to accept what God has, has done. And most people have not accepted what God did. Hallelujah. Listen, when God, when God decided to do, when God took Jesus Christ on this cross, his mother, his brothers and sisters, Peter, James, and John, and all the rest had to accept what God did. Because you know what? When God make a decision, he make a decision to help you, and you don't even know it. Every decision that God makes in your life. That's why we got a Romans 8.28. Come on, we're going to put that on the screen. 
See, that's why God gave us Rome. See, we don't believe the word. That's why the Bible said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Weeping don't supposed to continue. Oh, I'm going to talk to you today. I'm going to talk to you today. Because we're going through things. We're going through things. All of us going through things. But weeping does not supposed to continue. I'm going to go to that in Psalm just a moment. It's supposed to last for a night, for a season. And then you're supposed to let joy come in. Somebody say amen. Romans 8, 28. That's the verse I'm going to need. Yeah. Psalm 30, verse 5. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's go to Romans 8, 28. Now, this is, this is something. This, this message was totally changed by God. God had given me a totally different message yesterday. And then before I left, he began to change it. Last night, he began to speak to me about it. This morning, he totally changed it. Watch what he said in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For we know that if that all things work together. Wait a minute. Pastor, all things. See, don't question God. All things, what God do in your life, work together for good to them that love God. What do you love God? Yep. So every situation in your life work together for good to them that love God. Them who are the, are you the call? Yes, pastor. You are the call according to his purpose. So when God removes somebody out of my life, I don't understand it. I don't question him. I know that God did something for me that I did not understand at my time. Let me tell you something. My father passed away. And I'm going to say this here. I'm going to share this with you because when you start talking about parents, it's, it's very touching to people. But let me tell you something. My father passed when I was 14 years old. You just think about it. At 14 years old, my dad passed away. Now, we have nine children in our household. I'm the oldest boy at the house at that time. And my dad passes away. Now, I could have looked at God spiritually from that day and says, I don't want God. Look what he did. He took away my dad when I was 14 years old, and we don't have nobody but a mother, and she's working uh, uh, five days a week, six, when she can get her overtime for $3 a day. She got all of us in the house, she's making $18. And now I don't have a dad. But you know what I did? I don't forget this. I know the exact day my dad died, July the 4th, 1984. I, I did the eulogy on my grandmother, his mother, Saginaw, Michigan, July the 5th, exactly 20 years later, 2004. See, God allowed me to go through all this stuff. My daddy died in 1964. My grandmother died in 1984. There you go. 
exactly 20 years later. My daddy died at July the 4th, 5 o'clock. His mama died at July the 5th, 4 o'clock. Exactly 20 years later. Dad allowed, God allowed me to be with my daddy 14 years, so I reversed it. I reversed it. I wouldn't look at how bad it was, and, and I was able to say, God allowed me to be with my daddy for 14 years because I didn't have to know my daddy. See, there are some people worse off than me that never knew their daddy. But I was able to be with my daddy for 14 years. He just put his hat on my head and go tell me, and go to the man at the store and just tell them what you want, and he'll give it to you because you're wearing my hat. I never understood it to this day. I said, my daddy put his hat on my head. I was the man. I wore his hat, and I told that man to give me what I want. He said, oh, okay, uh, your daddy sent you because he got his hat on your head. Yes, sir. God let me have my mother for 92 years. How can I turn around and get angry with God? When there are people who never even seen their mother, never even knew they had a mother, they was adopted from the baby bed. And God let me have my mother for 92 years. And you tell me I can not, I'm going to get angry with God? No, I don't understand that God does all things. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. So there are some suffering going to happen in your life, but there ought to be some rejoicing that's going to follow. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. Let's go to Psalm. Let's show it to you on the screen. Psalm chapter 30 and verse number 5. If you haven't written this in your Bible, we're coming back, we come back to 2 Corinthians 1. We're not going nowhere. Look at Psalm 30. See, when you look at this stuff, how God orchestrates your life. See, we want to be in control of everything. And when we come down to our lives, we're not going to be in control. God's in control. Psalm 30 and verse number 5. His anger endured but for a moment. In his favor is life. Here's the verse. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. That word, that joy means singing. You, you know, it's an awesome thing when you went through something, went through some suffering. But why joy has not come yet? That's my question. Because if the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, is on the inside of me, joy got to, got to come forth. Come on. I'm, I'm helping you out. I'm helping you out. I'm helping you out. Because if the Holy Ghost is on the inside, listen, I don't care how much suffering that I go through, it can't last always. Joy cometh in the morning. It's just like night and day. When we first get up in the morning time, you can get up at 12 o'clock at night, but if you, six, if you sit up six and seven hours, you're going to see the sun coming up on the other side. Can't stop it. Automatic. That's how it is with joy in your life. You can go through something in your life and it's suffering, it's 
it's, it's really dark time in your life. But listen, it won't last always. That's why the man said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. It's just like the sun. It can be pitch black outside, but the sun going to shine in the morning. It's just like winter. You live in Michigan, you know what I mean. Winter can be depth, it can be awesome in January and February and March. But let me tell you something. On the third week in the month of March, you're going to see the weather break. Just think about what I just said. I mean, winter been raging January and February and half of March. But when it comes down to the third week, don't forget to mark your calendar. The third week in March, the weather breaks and begin to go back the other way. It's made that way. So when God put joy in your heart, it was to let suffering and the pain and the grief and the sorrow know you don't have long to do what you're going to do because I got to come forth. Joy is on the inside. You can't hold it down. You may go through your suffering. You may go through your crying. You go through your weeping. But joy was going to come forth. You got to let it happen. Now, you can hinder it because you want a grief and you want a sorrow. But you are grieving the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants want you to rejoice. Rejoice. Man, this is an awesome thing. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm in Corinth, but I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 first. 1 Corinthians chapter. You got to understand the ways of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We're going to put that on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. See, this is how God operates. So you got to understand if joy is in you, that's the whole thing now. Joy got to be in you. You can't just be talking joy, singing joy. Joy got to be here. If you got the joy of the Lord in your heart, the joy of the Lord, we're going to go to it after this, Nehemiah 8 and 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you cannot hold back God's strength. Joy is stronger than suffering. Joy is stronger than trials and tribulations, persecutions. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Can't stop it, just like the sun. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such is coming to man. But God is faithful. Somebody ought to write it down. Somebody ought to speak it out. Somebody ought, to, somebody ought to shout it out out there. I don't know Do you understand that the God that we serve, he's faithful. He's not going to let you just keep in mourning and grief and sorrows. God's going to bring a daylight in your life. Can't stop it. That's just like you when you got born again. You were running around here talking about all this stuff, the enemy and the devil and all this stuff you was involved in, you wasn't saved. But one morning, 
one morning, one night, one evening, the Lord got in your life. And since that day, you've been talking about Jesus. You got a Bible in your hand. What happened? All that darkness he was in your life. The Apostle Paul said he was a murderer, blasphemer. But what happened? God came in. That light came in, brother, and that darkness had to go. And that's what you got to understand. If you got sorrow still in your heart, weeping still in your heart, when people talk about certain things, you go back to weeping, you go back to crying, you, go, you can't even get over it. What's going on? You're not letting the joy reign in your life. The weapons of our warfare are not kind of. They're mighty through God. So to pull it down stronghold. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get on that in this teaching. It will pull those things down out of your life. You can't even cry no more. Every time situation you start wanting to talk about something that's bad, joy just flow up in your, in, your, in your mouth. Joy begin to come forth in your life. You begin to hear about Hey, the joy of the Lord began to rise up in your spirit because you know joy is greater than sorrow. Light is greater than darkness. You're going to have to let God rule and reign in your heart and walk in the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, there has no temptation taken you, but as such is coming to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That's the kind of God we serve. God's not going to let something come in your life and not take it away. He'll let the darkness come in your life for a minute, which is to be the suffering and the trial. Even the things we're going through right now, the virus. But long as I, listen, just as sure as I'm preaching to you this gospel, there'll be a day, I'm going to tell you this, the virus is gone. The day will come. The day will come. God allowed this thing to happen here. I do not know, but I know it couldn't happen if God didn't allow it. And I'm going to tell you something. There are some things that God is doing that we don't understand right now. But I can tell you this, it won't last always. You're going to get up one morning and they're going to say, we have the right vaccine. One day you're going to go back to church. You're going to say, hey, we going to church Sunday? No, I didn't say we going to church Sunday. You see, some people here, they go like, we going? No, no. You're here one morning. You're going to get a... You're going to get a call. Church going to be open. You know what's going to happen? You're not going to be, well, I may go first Sunday. I don't know if I'm going the second. I may go this week. I don't know if I'm going next week. Uh-uh. See, God get rid of all of that right now. Because you're sitting at home right now. People know what I'm talking about. And they're like, oh, my God, I'd be so glad when church opens. Make sure you know what you're saying. Because when it's open, God wants to see you here. Rejoice. Don't wait till the doors of the church to open. Rejoice. Don't wait till God take the virus away. Rejoice now. 
because it will surely come to pass. My God, my God, my God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm just so glad to know, I'm just so glad to know that God is working all things for your, for your good. Working all things. All right, let, let's, let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians, but I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. We're going back there. Oh, hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. We got to teach you this in this series about prayer. I'm sorry, I meant, I meant, let me go back to 1 Corinthians. I'm reading the wrong things here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Forgive me, I'm over here in Colossians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Grace, first word. 1 Corinthians 1 and 3. Grace be unto you and peace. Two words, grace and peace. What a mighty God we serve. From our God, from our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to the church. Then he's going to say, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ. That in everything, that in everything you are enriched by him. In all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you become behind in no gift. I'm at the wrong chapter, right? 2 Corinthians 1 3. I'm at the wrong chapter here. Yeah, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 1 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Yeah, I'm in the wrong chapter. Forgive me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Thank you. Blessed be God. Oh, my God, my God. Praise God for his goodness. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Yeah, that's where I was. And the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So my point was, God allowed you to go through some things in your life so you can be able to comfort other people in their life. I was talking to a sister, she know who I'm saying when I talk about this now. And I said this to her. She called me on the phone, she said, Pastor Trump, I'm having a hard time. My son passed away. And I'm having problem with it, Pastor. This is the verse for you, my sister. Because this is what God does. When somebody close to us is somebody in our lives, like I said, I lost my dad when I was 14. My mother passed away this year. How do you live with it, Pastor? I accept what God did in my life. While we were pastoring in a church, pastoring, we lost our baby. While we were pastoring a church. How you deal with it, Pastor? I count him faithful. I want, I want you to hear what I'm saying. So that's why I, go, I went to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and that's how I do it. I count 
him faithful. I want somebody to put it out there for me right now. God is faithful. God is not going to do anything in your life as, your, as his son and daughter to hurt you. Nothing. Everything he does in your life to help you. I was talking about my dad and I did not finish this. But I want to share this with you. Now, I don't know how you look at things. But I do not believe that I would have married my wife had my children been at this church if my dad had not passed. If my dad had not passed, I would have been in Mississippi somewhere. I'm just telling you, I could have been still in Mississippi, still driving tractors. I might have met my wife, but it had been in Greenville. She said she wasn't going to be in Greenville. But I would have not met her. I would have never been in Michigan. I would have never been in Michigan. My daddy could have changed all the order of what was going to happen in my life. My sister, Sister Boyd, might not have been able to marry who she married if my daddy was alive. She might not have been able to move to Michigan. I might not have been able to come to Michigan. See, you got to understand, but when, when God did what he did, let, let me share something. I was a pretty decent basketball player. And I thought this is what I was going to be able to do. I thought I was going to be the, you know, I was going to save the world. I mean, I thought I was pretty good. I mean, I could probably beat Rodney. But, you know, uh, that's debatable, him and Brother Jimmy, you know. But at the same time, I broke my finger after I had graduated from high school. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on going to college and getting me a degree, playing basketball and, you know. But it didn't work. I broke my trigger finger. I broke my trigger finger in half. Bone came out the front, you know, flipped all the way back. Garden, the principal son, hit that knee, poop. And when the doctor sewed my trigger finger up, it didn't work properly anymore. So I'm angry. I'm hurting and I'm angry. I went to college, but I didn't get a chance to be play basketball. They cut me to the junior varsity. I was mad. Because I can't control the basketball, my finger broke. But that's not the end of the story. I came to Michigan, and I married Mrs. Ernestine Crump. And we had a daughter, Cassandra Renee Crump at that time. She was the baby to be born. This was in 1969. My wife will tell you. I got a phone call to go to Vietnam. I'm trying to tell you, see. You, you got to understand how God works. He's working in your favor. Tell somebody, tell somebody right now, God's working in your favor. You just got to understand how God works. 
you in the dispensation of grace, God's working in your favor. You don't understand what God's doing. You got to get out of the grief, come away into the joy. Let the Holy Ghost, when the Bible says grieve not the spirit, quench not the spirit. I'm going I'm to show you that in this same teaching, quench not the spirit. When you don't allow the spirit of God to bring you into joy and you want to stay in the morning, you want to stay in the morning, you want to stay in the morning, you got to come out of there. The Holy Ghost got to have some glory in your life. You can't stay in this morning and weeping period. You got to come in and let the Holy Ghost come out in you. And you're going to come out with joy. My finger was broke. I was angry. But when I got in Michigan and got married, my wife is pregnant with our first child. I got a letter to go and register. Then after that, I got another letter that I had to go to Vietnam. But I had to go to Detroit and pass a physical, and I was not coming home. You're talking about a, a, a God is faithful. When I say God is faithful, God is faithful. I got on that bus, downtown Pontiac, took me to downtown Detroit. We all got off, went through all the tests. And I'm getting ready to go through the final test, and that is to pull the rifle. Make a long story short, the man said, put your finger here and pull. I said, I can't pull. He said, what's wrong? I said, my trigger finger broke, and I can't bend it. He said, get out of the line. Check him out. Get out of the line. Told the guy to check him out. He said, he can't bend his finger. Put your clothes on and get out of here. Hey! That joy began to come out of me. Hallelujah. Praise God for his goodness. You know what I started doing from there? Hallelujah. I began to thank God for the broke finger. Hallelujah. This same finger that I was mad with God about playing basketball. Now all of a sudden this finger kept me out of Vietnam because most of the people that was going over that time did not come back. When God is doing something in your life, Rejoice. Rejoice. Let's finish first, Second Corinthians. Let's finish Second Corinthians chapter number 1. Verse 3, once again. Blessed be the God, even our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the suffering of Christ, Paul called it the suffering of Christ, abounds in us. The suffering of Christ abound in us. So our consolation also abounded by Christ. For whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation. Salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. For our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partaker of the suffering, so shall you also be of the consolation. So if you're going through the suffering, then you'll be partaker of the joy. Hallelujah. 
cheat. That's the thing. People don't want to get to the joy. Listen, you got to let the stuff go and say God is faithful. You're not, you're not going to release it until you say God is faithful. I'm telling you right now, you might have lost your mother like I did. You might have lost your daddy like I did. But you got to look God in the face and say, Lord, you are a faithful God. And when you do that, you release it into the Lord's hand. When you hold on to grief and sorrow about somebody lost in your life, you are still blaming God without saying it. You're still blaming God without saying it. When you got to look at your God who take care of you every day and say, Lord, you're faithful. You're faithful. You're a faithful God. You are a faithful God. That's one of your songs, Cassandra. You're a faithful God. See, he's faithful. He doesn't make mistakes. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are to call according to his purpose. He's not going to do anything to hurt you. He's doing everything for you. You don't see it right now. God brought Israel into Egypt. Stayed there 40 years, 400 years, I'm sorry, total, 430 years if you go back to Joseph. Now, you would have looked at that and said, that God's a cruel God, but you did not understand what God was doing. God did not want Israel to leave out until they were able to fight the enemy to get to their promised land. And then they had to be able to occupy their promised land because there were some enemies in their promised land. So if he did not let them grow to the mother too, they could not have gotten to what God had for them to do. Somebody ought to tell God thank you. Once you see what God is doing, you can't do nothing but tell God thank you. God took care of them in Egypt. Remember, when they came into Egypt, they, they never was slaves. Never. God brought them into Egypt to take care of them through, the, through Joseph. When God make a decision in your life, it is to take care of you. He's not out to hurt you or harm you. He want to take care of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, verse number 7, I hope of you is steadfast knowing as you are partake of, of the suffering, you shall also be of the consolation. We would not, brother, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure we were pressed above strength, and so much that we would despair even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Thought we were going to die. But why did he do that? That we should not trust in ourselves. Why did God do that, Paul? God did it because he didn't want Paul to trust in himself, but in God who raises the dead. God said, I allow you to go through some things because I'm going to teach you that you don't trust in yourself. I want you to put your trust in the living God who raises the dead, who delivers us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. God, I might have, my time is already gone. My name is Pastor Crump of Bedouin Faith Christian Church. Let me tell you something. This God who we serve, don't think he don't know what he's doing. 
Don't for not for one minute think he don't know what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. He's taking care of his people. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received in where you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. If you can believe that Christ died for your sins, buried, raised again for you, you can receive eternal life right now. All you have to do is repeat after me. Father, I believe Christ died for my sins. He was buried in my place. He was raised again for my justification. And he has given me his Holy Spirit. I receive it. I receive forgiveness of sin. I receive the Holy Spirit. And thank you for making me your own child. Place that prayer and give God the praise. Thank God for your salvation. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.